Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. Another wild week. Uh, so many things happening in the world. I can't believe it. Uh, nothing slows down. Every country, it seems, has a problem. Every, all over. Uh, such being the case, I'm going to stay in the United States tonight because I've been all over the world lately in these talks. I'm going to do uh, primarily a USA show tonight. Hope you enjoy. We're going to go to places like Clark County, Washington, Florida's Panhandle, El Paso, Texas. Going to deviate, go over to Rome, Italy uh, to discuss something that the Pope, Pope Francis, brought to our attention last week. Back to Harvard University and the discussion of MRIs, you know, that special medical uh, machine that looks into your body and cuts everything up inside, not literally, but in photo images, so that the doctors can determine precisely what's going on. Well, one of the House investigating committees investigating Donald Trump and the Russian situation uh, is going to look into his personal finances for the 10 years preceding his becoming president because some things could have happened during that period of time. And one of the members of the House committee, one of the congresspersons says, said, we're going to do an MRI on him. Ho, ho. Anyhow, going to start tonight with measles. We are in a worldwide epidemic, measles epidemic. Uh, in the United States, too, big time. Now, I don't know how many of you had measles. I'm 83 years old. I had measles. I don't recall having them, but I know I had to have them because I had everything. Uh, there weren't vaccines when I was around uh, as a young man in the, the late uh, 1930s uh, to get shots for anything. There were no mandatory shots, as I recall, even to go to school, though I could be wrong on that issue. Anyhow, measles are all over the place today, and there's a reason for it, so I'm going to give you a measles epidemic update. The two states in the United States that are heavily uh, bombed, for want of a better term, with measles are New York and Washington State. I'm going to solely discuss Washington State this evening. Again, understand that the medical profession, the scientists, the doctors, the big hospitals, they all told us, and they were right, that Measles had been eliminated 20 years ago, totally eliminated. As long as you got the shot, you had to get the shot. You had to be vaccinated. Well, what happened is this. Some parents didn't like the fact that their child should be inoculated. Uh, They felt because, you know, when you want to do something in the United States, there's always some group that is anti or adverse to a particular position. And they came out and said this will do injurious things to the child, like this kind of a problem or this physical disability could be as a result of a measles shot. Uh, And then there are just some parents who don't believe in putting foreign germs in their child's body. So the laws were passed that mandated, mandated, so heavy was the furor and the interest in, in the measles inoculation, that all preschool children couldn't go to school unless you had been inoculated with four measles. The law provided for an exception, and that was you could refuse to have your child inoculated on religious grounds or personal beliefs. 
So in certain states, a lot of people went and they got their kids excused, and they're paying for it today. That's the problem. Because let's go to Clark County, Washington. 33 children have been infected thus far in one county. That's a big number, okay? And they're mostly children. Uh, And as it turns out, uh, statewide, one in four have not been inoculated, whether you're an adult or your child. One in four statewide. Forty percent of those who have come down with the measles so far are in kindergarten. They haven't even gotten to the first grade. They are in kindergarten. Uh, and none of them received the recommended shots, that 40%. So the parents won. The children lost. Mother does not know everything. This proves and I'm And I'm not being crass or anti-mom, mother does know everything, but sometimes parents don't know everything, and this is one of the examples. Measles spread rapidly to the uninoculated. One physician said that getting measles is like putting or dropping a lighted match in a can of gasoline. You know what happens, ba-ba-boom, it goes off right away, and the fire spreads all over the place. He says that's how fast it spreads to those who have not been vaccinated. And he suggested, this isn't um, unique or new by Louis Patron, he's the one who said, mother does not necessarily know best in this particular circumstance. Uh, In order to protect society as a whole, 95% of the people should be inoculated, that's what the medical profession tells us. So that's the story there. Measles are all over the place. They're in Europe, too. Uh, Interestingly, in Clark County, all of the state of Washington, but especially in Clark County, court applications are up to have children inoculated who have already been in school several years but have not gotten the measles yet. People are learning. So that's the story there. That's the measles update want to talk about the responses to those areas that have been hit by hurricanes and the California fires, the fires in California. I understand hurricanes. I've lived almost 30 years in Key West. I've lived through most of the hurricanes. I've only left left twice. The last one was Irma because Irma was a five and it was coming right at us. And if it hit Key West as a five, there would be no Key West today. Not a building would be left standing. Uh, in fact, interestingly, 80% of the residents of Key West left town. <laughs> Nobody stayed around. Uh, and again, it was the proper thing to do. It was the wise judgment to make. Now, no community, no village, town, city, county, state have sufficient funds to handle the damage and injuries that ensue. You need federal assistance. This is known. This is established. I'm not telling you anything new. Each time we have had uh, a hurricane, uh, it was Irma, it was Maria, uh, the last one is Michael, the third worst hurricane in the history of recorded hurricanes in the United States. We always saw the president go on television, and Donald Trump would say, don't worry, folks, we 
got enough money, we can handle this. Money's very important in this. And each time he said, and that's why I stress it, we've got enough money. We're going to deal with this. And he had somebody from Irma, Irma, from FEMA, rather, sitting next to him. And he'd say, isn't that right? And the guy'd say, oh, yes, Mr. President, we can handle this. Well, he failed. The United States failed in Puerto Rico where Irma hit first and a week or two later, Maria, not because, I think Trump is anti-color, and for that reason he did not help them, but he also didn't help them because he knew the United States did not have sufficient funds to handle the problem for the entire island, okay? Now, let me become very practical and bring this up to date. Irma hit us about a year and a half ago, September 10th. Um, even though it wasn't a five. And it was only a one, by the way. That five died about six hours before it hit uh, the mainland here. It died and it went down from a five to a one. But it increased 16 miles later, 16 miles north of us here in Key West, you go right up US 1 uh, to, um, and 30 miles up to Big Pine uh, and places like that, all, all the way up through Almorada and Marathon. It hit big time. It was a four, and many of the homes were demolished. In fact, the best way to describe it, when I drove back 12 days after Irma had hit, because I I took off, I ran away to Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, When I came back, and I'm driving down US-1, here's how I would describe what Irma left behind. The boats were on the road. The cars were in the water. The buildings were down, and this blew my mind. As I'm coming through Almorada, I look to my right. There's this big tree, 20 feet up, sitting on two big branches, 20 feet above the ground. On its side is this huge refrigerator. Can you imagine the power of the storm? Anyhow, uh, we're still waiting for money here from the federal government. They sent some to help. We've got... What the government does, and they do this every place there's a disaster under Trump. They tell the people, well, we've got to get things organized. We're a bureaucracy. We'll send you some upfront money to help. But what you do is you go to the bank and you borrow the money. They tell the communities. You go to the bank and you borrow the money. And then uh, when we pay you the money, you'll get, you can pay the bank. Good luck. <laughs> Everyone's waiting. The, the, you know, the city, the towns, the villages, Key West, the little uh, towns going up through the Keys, waiting for money. And big cities are still waiting for money. Reimbursement from the federal government to pay off the loans the government told the cities to get to help them along till the federal government get the dough to them. They don't pay back because they haven't got it, and it's one disaster after another. Irma was followed by uh, what? Michael was the last one. And there was one in between. I have a mental block. I just mentioned it a little while ago. So we have the hurricanes. Now, what do I want to talk about? The federal government's supposed to come in and help. Michael hit the panhandle of Florida. That's the northern point. of uh, It's horizontal at the end of Florida. Florida goes straight up, and then it's got a horizontal bar like a, a big L upside down. And the panhandle got hit bad. Normally, corporations, charitable groups, who are prepared to assist in a disaster, in a natural disaster, and have money and throw tons of money to help an area recoup and get back get back to goodness again, 
uh, to put their money in. It just so happens, though, that the panhandle really has no big cities. It's mostly 600, 800, 8,000 people. They're, they're little towns, <laughs> and most of them. And what's happened is these charitable corporations, these charitable groups that have reserve funds to help communities, they aren't going to the panhandle to help. They are not going to the panhandle to help. And understand, Michael is now several months ago. People, they're still living in tents, don't have proper sewage facilities, don't have drinking water, okay? You have to get it from a bottle that comes off the back of a truck. Still don't have food, most of them. They're getting their foods off, food off the back of a truck. And you'll say, well, what are you complaining for? At least they're getting food and water. That's got to be coming from the government. It's not coming from the government. It's coming from neighbors, neighbors in other states, people who want to help. Even from Key West here, we have sent several truckloads over the, the time frame since the hurricane to the panhandle full of food and other things with people to help staying 10 days or two weeks. That's where they're getting their assistance from materially and food-wise. I mean, simple things. You need diapers for babies. No question about it. You can't argue the point. Uh, things like this. And they're not getting it from these charitable corporations. And the reason, from what I understand, is because the charitables are like Donald Trump. They want publicity for the good they believe they do. And what publicity are they going to get from helping a town with 800 or 8,000 people? And so the panhandle suffers even more. We are all suffering. The poor people in California with the fires, they're hurting bad. Their federal assistance is quite limited. Uh, he's not handling things right. Money is a big problem, but there is no planning for it. That's all. There just hasn't been significant or sufficient planning. I even blame Obama. He was there. Trump's only been in two years. Nobody was properly planning back then either. We are a failure as a nation. Trump is a failure as a president. To a certain degree, Obama has been a failure in this regard also. The people of the panhandle, uh, about a month ago I talked about it on this show, uh, they tell people who contact them or who visit, say they believe the government has forgotten us. We are a forgotten people. No one cares about us. These are citizens of the United States. They are our brothers and sisters. Want to talk about farmer bankruptcies? Now you have to. I'm going to talk about Trump here. Well, I'm talking about the United States. You got to talk about Trump today. He's in just about everything. I want to talk briefly about farmer bankruptcies. One of Trump's biggest areas of political strength that helped him get helped him get elected president is the Midwest, the farm belt out there. The Midwest, the farm belt. Now, they grow things to sell elsewhere. And most of these states are heavy, heavy into growing soybeans, corn, wheat, barley. Things that these farmers didn't sell in a truck to the nearby community to sell in a neighbor's grocery, neighborhood grocery store. These were products that they had made arrangements to sell in China. Now, Trump comes along and he says, oh, we're going to have a tariff war with China. Don't worry. Tariff wars are good. 
I know how to win a tariff war. And he's imposed a tariff war. And China's imposed one back. Right now, if any of our goods are going to be sold in China, Trump automatically puts 25% tariff on top of those goods. The Chinese can't afford to pay that kind of money. No one's going to pay it. So the Chinese are now going to places like Brazil and making new contracts that will last years, okay? In the meantime, our farmers are hurting bad. They're hurting real bad. They See, they weren't told we were going to have this tariff war, so they had already gone through their planting season. Can't rip the stuff out of the ground, so the stuff grows. Fortunately, just about every one of the products they grow can be stored. So they got their silos filled. They got their barns filled. Even on the bare ground covered with tarpaulin, they have the product that was grown waiting for the day it can be sold. And because everyone's going to have so much when and if it can ever be sold again, that no one's going to get the price they should. Anyhow, because the farmers can't sell, they have no cash flow. Okay? So now what's happening? Bankruptcies. The last time there were heavy bankruptcies in the farm belt was 2008. We all remember 2008, the bank failures. Remember the mortgage foreclosures all over this country. My God. They are up 100%. Farm bankruptcies have doubled this past year. They have doubled since the year 2008, which was the highest year ever at the time for farmers to go down the tubes. And this is happening because they aren't plant, they're not going to be planting. They can't sell what they do plant. Again, it's a cash flow problem. And they have found these, these, China, for example, is going to Brazil. They're also going to Russia. I got to tell you, Putin, Vladimir Putin, has got to be one of the smartest men on the face of the earth today. Because every time we're in trouble, he's somewhere else and he's gaining from our trouble. This guy's pure brilliance. Trump thinks he's smart. Trump isn't smart. Putin's outfoxed him completely and will continue to do so because Russia is also helping, okay, China to get the foods they need. And now, my friends, we're going to El Paso, Texas. Last night, Donald Trump had his first rally of the year. I'm not going to get into all the detail. I just want to talk about numbers. Recall, if you will, the day of Trump's inauguration. Well, when the pictures came out, it was obvious that Obama, the people for Obama's inauguration, far exceeded those that showed up for Trump. Trump had huge crowds, but you could see in the pictures it wasn't as thick and there were big open spots where Obama covered all the flat earth with his, with his people who came for the inauguration. But Trump made a big issue of it, if you recall. There were more people for my inauguration, he kept saying. He drove everybody crazy, and it was, it was obvious. He was full of shit, if you excuse me. Uh, but he has to be number one. He has to be the best, and he made an issue out of it at the time. Okay, now. Last night he's in El Paso, Texas, and he's made an issue out of Texas and El Paso especially. I won't go into that. You know all that. Here's what I want to talk about. He's talking in some auditorium that holds 6,500 people. Beto O'Rourke, that was his former congressional district. He ran for for United States Senate against Tom Cruise uh, or Ted Cruz, and he lost close election, and he's 
possibly a presidential candidate in 2020. He held his own rally at exactly the same time at a park a block away, an outdoor uh, park a block away. Now, we know the auditorium Trump was in only handled 6,500 people. The police said that O'Rourke's crowd, they estimated at 7,000. During the course of Trump's speech, he said, there are 35,000 of you here tonight watching me. 35,000 in a building that only holds 6,500. I, 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 I give to him that there were people standing outside also, but nowhere near 35,000. And he also said, O'Rourke's down the street. At first he said he's got, I think the first number he came up with, there are 600 people listening to him. A few minutes later he said there's only 15 down there now watching him. Uh, What bullshit. He's ridiculous. But that wasn't important. He exaggerates. I've come to the conclusion, listen to me closely, I don't think he really lies. Trump does not lie. He believes what he's saying. He believe, I think the man's demented. I say this with all due respect to the CEO. He's demented. He, 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 he believes what he says. He's crazy. Because no person can lie as much as he does. It has to be he believes this crap every time a misstatement comes out of his mouth. This is very interesting. And I think this is healthy, what I'm going to share with you right now. Uh, Not as healthy as I would like, not as healthy as perhaps you would like, but healthy. A study has been made recently of how many high schoolers, how many high school students are still virgins. Important issue. I can remember back in the uh, 1980s, I was getting concerned. My kids were in high school. Uh, I had three of my four kids in high school. All girls. Uh, you raise them right. You think everything's right. But there was so if sex was rampant in the high schools. Sex was rampant in the high schools. Well, it turns out they did another study in 2017 here, and the numbers have just been released. I don't know why it took so long. But not as many high schoolers are having sex today as they did 20 years ago. Here's how the numbers fall out. In 1980, a study said 49.2% of the girls females were having sex they were not virgins all right no they were still virgins i apologize 49.2 percent were still virgins 2017 study said that number had gone up to 62.3 percent so now 62 percent 13 percent more are still virgins i believe that number should be 100 percent but i'm old school that's the way i think what can i tell you if you were 83 you didn't have sex back in high school guaranteed Anyhow, as to the boys, the males, in 1980, 42.6% were virgins. And in 2017, that number had gone up to 58.6%, an impressive rise also. So uh, the kids are having less sex. Now, why? I don't know. The the, uh, study I looked at didn't say why or suggest why, but they are having less. They are still virgins. That is good. I'd like to see that number go up 20 or 30 more points, and so would you. Now I have to talk about something that's very sad, bothers me very much, going to shock you, bothers some of you, depending on your religion, bother you, some of you tremendously, uh, 
and you're going to say, I knew it all the time. All these of you, it's just a bad situation. Pope Francis made an announcement last week from Rome, from the Vatican. Uh, took great courage for him to make this pronouncement or this announcement. The Catholic Church has failed uh, when it comes to sex because of the pedophilia. About 30, 40 years ago, pedophilia hit us. We became aware of the priests having sex with boys. Uh, we're still hearing about it, and we're still dealing with the problem today. Well, the Pope came out and said that, and he said this for the first time, that the nuns are being sexually abused, have been sexually abused. The nuns, those little sweet little ladies in habits, are being sexually abused by priests and bishops, and this has been the case for many years. Uh, the result is many of these pregnant nuns by priests and bishops are having abortions, uh, or they're giving birth, and he wasn't sure where the children were going who were born. Uh, the uh, one group, when well, I think it's in France, one religious group, a small re religious group of nuns, became so dominated by a group of priests that they turned the nuns into sex slaves. It was a sex cult before it was discovered and broken up. This is disgusting. I'm a, I'm a fallen away Catholic. I love God. I believe in God. But I did, the church turned me off uh, even before pedophilia came into the light. Anyhow, the Associated Press reported last week that the problem with the priests and bishops, this is even sadder, having sex with the nuns is, and I quote, global and persuasive. Global and persuasive. I'm sure we're going to hear more about this in the coming years. Now, Harvard did a massive study recently about how marijuana affects male sperm. This is important. Because when for years they were running movies and giving talks, don't smoke pot, one of the problems was if you were a male, it was going to diminish your body's ability to produce sperm. So in all likelihood, you would not be able to have your spouse conceive. Not enough sperm, no sperm, no conception, you couldn't have kids. Probably scared a lot of men and a lot of women getting on their husband's back. Don't smoke pot. And all, they said all the studies were to this uh, conclusion. Well, Harvard just concluded a 17-year study on the issue. A 17-year study on the issue. And guess what the result was? Pot smoking did not decrease the ability to produce sperm, it actually increases the ability to produce sperm and increases the possibility that conception can take place. Uh, now, don't know if the former tests were bullshit and they were made up uh, to convince people not to smoke marijuana, uh, but something's wrong here. Uh, Harvard's very firm. This is what our test results are, 17 years. They also say as efficient scientists should, that we have to do further studies, though, because those studies are out there. There are other studies. We can't find them, but they're out there with conclusions, uh, and we have to see if we're right or they're right. But right now their position is smoke pot. It isn't going to affect your ability to conceive. Okay, where are we going here? 
some mind-blowing facts. You know, I come across a lot of stuff every day. I read, I read, I read, I read. I'm all over the Internet, and I mark down some of the things that I thought were a bit strange. I call them mind-blowing facts, and I'm just going to run through them. Uh, I have a few here. In more, more than half of the states, states of the United States, the highest-paid public employee in more than half of the states, the highest-paid public employee is a football coach. Think about it. It's true. You can believe it. One-third of all teenagers haven't read a single book in a year. Disgraceful. The suicide rate in the United States has risen 33% since 1999. We know this is fact. We keep hearing about civilians, military. Everybody's committing suicide on a more increased basis. And this next one's very interesting. Women have earned 57% of all bachelor degrees in the United States for an 18-year period. 18 years in a row, the women are getting more bachelor degrees than the boys, which is true. Uh, and the last one here, because my time's running out, one-third of all millennials are still living with their parents, and I can believe that. The kids, they got their educations, they got their notes to pay, they can't get a decent job, or they can't get a job, they got to go home and live with Ma and Pa. Well, I thank you for joining me again. Uh, I appreciate you joining me. I love doing this show. The numbers go up every week. I keep saying it. I love it when you people listen in. Uh, Keep doing so, please. And I look forward to being with you again next week.